1: 77 W.A.B.C. Good morrow. Good morrow. Good morrow. Uh, This is the Dominic Carter program, but much to your disappointment, I'm sure, this is not Dominic Carter. This is Frank Morano. Now, first and foremost, uh, many of you who are up late at this time are used to hearing me as a radio talk show host that's on between the hours of 1 and 5 a.m. But first and foremost, I am a radio listener, and I was a talk radio listener long before I was ever a radio talk show host. And I remember that uh, every time one of my favorite hosts, whether it was Rush Limbaugh, Bob Grant, Howard Stern, Jay Diamond, whomever, would take a day off, and they would announce, oh, and uh, now substituting, here's uh, John Q. Schlemiel. I just remember the crushing disappointment that I would instantly feel. And I'm sure a lot of you feel the same way. Look, I'm a Dominic Carter fan. I am the world's biggest Dominic Carter fan. He had some personal stuff to take care of today. He's going to be back on Monday. But the only thing that I'm asking is that you give us a try for the next hour. Trust me, there's nothing else worth listening to. I've tried. I've tried, and there is nothing else worth listening to. We're going to try and emulate the Dominic Carter format as much as we can. One of the things that Dominic has been doing that I really enjoy is he kind of throws three or four topics out there at the top of the show, and then he kind of lets the callers decide which of them that they want to comment on and drives the conversation that way. Boy, oh boy, the challenge with that today is finding what are the three local stories that are worth talking about because there is so much happening in this state, this city, and this country. Obviously, we've got the Super Bowl coming up, but I'm going to talk a little bit more about that between uh, 1 and 5 a.m. But the challenge is limiting it to only three or four. The story which might seem like it's a little inside baseball but is actually incredibly important Has to do with what is going on in Albany right now. I'm sure a lot of you paid attention to the nomination of Hector LaSalle as the chief judge of the New York State Court of Appeals. Now, I realize a lot of you, your eyes are already glazing over. Bear with me, this is important. The New York State Court of Appeals is basically New York's version of the U.S. Supreme Court. You remember when they threw out the redistricted lines, the gerrymandered lines that the legislature came up with? It was the Court of Appeals that threw that threw it out. Whenever there's a New York State bill that's declared unconstitutional on a statewide basis, it's the Court of Appeals that makes that uh, that makes that determination. They are the final appellate kind of court, and In recent years, there's a seven-member court. In recent years, even though they were all appointed by Democrats, the four conservative judges on the Court of Appeals have sort of been a backstop to a lot of liberal policies. So with the chief judge, Janet DeFior resigning in sort of a scandal, big question now is, is Kathy Hochul going to appoint another centrist or is she going to appoint someone that's an extreme left winger? Well, she appointed someone and I give her a lot of credit for this. She appointed someone. And I don't know that this has ever been tried before in the annals of Albany. She appointed someone that was qualified. I know never been tried before. It's really wild. So the hard left in Albany immediately decided that they were going to make this their issue. And They torpedoed his nomination. They didn't even let it get to the Senate for a full vote. The Senate has to approve the governor's nomination. They killed it in committee. But what's worse is they stacked the votes in the committee to make sure they added two new members that they knew were going to vote against LaSalle. Now, I think it's probably likely that if the full Senate were to vote against LaSalle, uh, were to vote on LaSalle, they would turn him down as well. My contention is they should have done that. If Andrea Stewart-Cousins wants to send a message to Kathy Hochul or whatever the case may be or she wants to vote down this guy, we are entitled to know where our state senators stand on this LaSalle nomination because as of now, we don't know what's going on. We have no idea what the future of the Court of Appeals will be. And this position of chief judge of the Court of Appeals is a pretty important one because not only are you the chief judge, you're the head of all the courts in New York State. You sort of make policy for all of the, all of the courts in New York. So what happened <laughs> yesterday? Very interesting. After LaSalle's nomination got torpedoed by the State Senate Judiciary Committee, Kathy Hochul held open the possibility of filing a lawsuit to force the full Senate to vote. Well, a lot of the governor's advisors and a lot of observers of this kind of thing were saying something to the effect of, well, you better be careful. Because if you go to court and you get what you want and you force the state Senate to vote on your pick and then they vote against your pick, then you're going to look even worse. So a lot of us have been waiting for two weeks. What's the governor going to do? Is she going to file a lawsuit? Is she going to appoint someone new? We've gotten nothing from the governor. Well, yesterday, the state Senate Republicans announced that they were filing their own lawsuit to force a vote on the governor's chief judge nominee, Hector LaSalle. So after weeks of speculation. Over the fate of the chief judge nominee, Hector LaSalle, the state Senate Republicans sued their Democratic colleagues. I mean, keep this in mind. This is really unprecedented. I've been observing Albany for a long time. I haven't seen anything like this in four decades at least. And they're suing the people they serve with to force a vote. The Ranking Republican on this committee is Anthony Palumbo, and he happened to be on the Cats at Night show here on 77 WABC yesterday explaining this lawsuit and why they're doing what they're doing.
3: The the New York State Constitution is is quite clear about this. Judicial nominations must be considered before the full state uh, Senate. So the Judiciary Committee, which provides what's called advice and consent, Um, no matter of its size, discharges or or rules on a judicial nominee, they must within 30 days. And under our state constitution, they must then allow the Senate, um, the full Senate, to vote, all 63 members. Um, Curiously, the Democratic majority, and I actually debated the rule change on our first day when we're doing housekeeping. Um, They changed the rules to really nothing significant, all... Um, Somewhat clerical changes, but one substantive one was the body of the Judiciary Committee. They added four members, three Democrats and one Republican. Um, uh, The the committee assignments are supposed to be proportionate to the full Senate, two to one. It's 42 Democrats, 21 Republicans. So I questioned, said, why do we have three to one instead of two to one? That's quite interesting. Um, Got pretty much a non answer from the the floor leader, Mike Gianaris, from Queens. Um, and, it, of course, it went through and was voted in.
1: That was an exclusive interview with our own Dominic Carter, by the way, who was sitting in on the Cats at Night show yesterday. And I said yesterday they added two people. I, I What I meant to say is they added two people to that committee that they knew were going to be opposed to LaSalle. So they did very much... Stack the deck against them. So do you understand the gist of what the state senate Republicans are saying here? And this is the gist of what Governor Hochul was saying. The state senate Republicans and Hochul legally and politically are on very much the same uh, same page. Politically, they want LaSalle confirmed. They want a centrist in this position, and not an ultra-left winger. I don't even know if you could call Sal a centrist. I mean, I guess the the thing that people take issue with is that he was once a prosecutor. But, I mean, the guy's a lifelong Democrat. He was elected to the state Supreme Court as a Democrat. He has a long history being appointed by Democrats. Um, I'm not sure, you know, he'd be considered a centrist in most places. But the legal argument is this. The Constitution says in the state of New York that the uh nominees are voted on that uh, the nominees are appointed by the governor and then with the advice and consent of the full senate now the governor and the senate republicans are saying advice and consent of the senate means the full senate the state senate democrats are saying no it says the senate the senate can decide how it wants to vet our nominees we can make our own rules question for you is, what do you think about this? Do you think this is the right move by the state Senate Republicans, both legally and politically? 800 And whether you want LaSalle confirmed or not, don't you think he's entitled to a vote? 800-848-9222. Third question, as it relates to this whole thing, is what does advice and consent of the Senate mean? Does it mean the full Senate, all 63 members? Or does it mean the consent of the Senate in whatever manner they deem appropriate. 800-848-9222. Melissa DeRosa was on the same program. Now, Melissa DeRosa is the former secretary to Andrew Cuomo. She clearly knows Albany politics very well. But every bit of analysis, when she's been on with John on the Cats at Night show, when she's been on with Sid Rosenberg, and when she's been quoted in the papers, every single thing that she says is a way to slam Kathy Hochul. You could tell the Cuomo people are still very embittered towards the Hochul people, and there's no love lost there whatsoever. So this is what Melissa DeRosa said last night here on 77 WABC.
2: What I find amazing about this, but also sort of perfect, given how this whole thing has been going, is that the Senate Republicans are stepping up and defending Essentially what is the executive's authority in the Constitution on contemplation of a Court of Appeals judge. And Kathy Hochul had threatened to do this, you know, way back at the end of December, early January, and has just been dithering and weeks and weeks have gone on and she hasn't sort of tipped her hand at what she's gonna do. Frankly, I think she had no idea what she was gonna do. And then in the meantime, the Senate Republicans step into the void. And so now you are gonna see this case brought to through the court system, I imagine it will go all the way up to the Court of Appeals, which is sort of interesting, the Court of Appeals having to decide this because it impacts them directly, then it will be because the Senate Republicans brought it to bear and not the governor. So, you know, once again, from my perspective, real weakness, real lack of leadership from her part, but we are now going to see this play out.
1: So I think that's interesting, right? I mean, clearly she's not missing any opportunity to slam Governor Hokel and she did that there. Do you agree with her? Do you think this is indicative of a lack of leadership and a lack of effectiveness on Governor Hokel's part? 800 wabc That's issue one. Remember the McLaughlin group? You would say, issue one. That's issue one right there. Uh, Hector LaSalle and those who love him and those who don't love him. Here's issue two. Did you see what occurred this week at the FDNY promotions ceremony? Really very interesting. So those of you that are firefighters or retired firefighters know all about this, but if you're not a retired firefighter, you may not be up on this. The FDNY commissioner was introduced at this FDNY promotion ceremony on Tuesday. Now, this is just basically where they announce which firefighters are promoted. Who's now a, uh, who's now a chief, who's now, uh, whatever, you know? Um, and this is what occurred when Commissioner Laura Kavanaugh and her, when her name was announced.
4: Fire Commissioner Laura Kavanaugh. Five <laughs> right now, gentlemen.
1: They booed the fire commissioner. Now, if you haven't been following this, this is the latest salvo in a big controversy in the FDNY. This came after three chiefs were informed of their demotions by Commissioner Kavanaugh last week. Two other top fire officials asked to resign in solidarity. And uh, the rank and file of the fire department are not at all happy about this. To me, uh, now, Mayor Adams, who appointed Laura Kavanaugh, obviously, stood by the commissioner in a statement saying, in part, Commissioner Kavanaugh has my full support. She is promoting a culture of true leadership, accountability, and performance within the FDNY. As Commissioner Kavanaugh made clear, she and her senior team work for the rank and file and the people of the city, those who do not agree with that view, have chosen to leave the FDNY. I I kind of see both sides of this, honestly. One, I think that, you know, if you're the boss, whatever, whether we're talking about a baseball team, I, you know, when I was a kid, I used to talk with my uncle Carmine about what you would do if you managed the Mets, right? And what I would do if I managed the Mets. And uh, my uncle would explain to me that it's understood that when you come in as the manager, you're going to bring in... The folks that you refer that, that are known as your people, you, that's what happens. You take over a radio station, a baseball team, certainly a bureaucracy as massive as the fire department. You're going to bring in your people or people that see things your way. Right. I mean, that makes sense. I, I think the manner in which she handled this has been very poor. And I think it comes down to a larger issue, which is Laura Kavanaugh did not come through the ranks of the fire department. The way Commissioner Sal Cassano did, who was a commissioner under Bloomberg and then briefly under de Blasio, and the way that Commissioner Daniel Nigro, who's a commissioner under de Blasio, did. And I think it's going to be very difficult for her to earn the respect of the FDNY. And once you don't have the respect of the people that you're leading, it, it goes into a different situation. She was never a firefighter, so she's not gonna have that credibility that a Casano or a Nigro would have. Now, that, that's happened before. We've seen a lot of people run the fire department that weren't firefighters. We saw it with, uh, Charles Joe Hines, who was commissioner under Ed Koch. We saw it with, uh, we saw it with Nicholas Scapetta. We saw it with, uh, Howard Safer, Rudy Giuliani's fire commissioner. And sometimes, even if you are a firefighter, there's something that happens that will, cause you to lose the respect of the men that you're leading. That happened with Rudy Giuliani. Remember, who did he appoint as fire commissioner? He appointed Thomas Von Essen. Who was Thomas Von Essen? Thomas Von Essen had been the head of the fire union. And the rank-and-file union members viewed this as such a betrayal that the guy that would represent them And fight against the department when need be and represent them at the negotiating table with the mayor would then actually take a job with the mayor. And a lot of firefighters took umbrage with this. And I think Von Essen's reputation has still suffered to this day with people that were in the department at the time. So you really have to be very careful with this. And I think this all comes down to the fact, quite frankly, that this was a very poor pick by Eric Adams. Adams should have picked someone that had some credibility. With the, with the men, mostly, and some women, of the fire department. the Laura Kavanaugh, her entire background is as a political operative. She's worked for a political consulting firm for a lot of her life. She was a, a Bill de Blasio loyalist, and that's how she wound up. At such a high level there, she was the deputy commissioner for a long time, but it was not because she knew anything about leading the fire department or fire safety. She was the deputy commissioner because she was loyal to Bill de Blasio. What's puzzling is that um, she was not even really a big Adams person during the campaign, and yet he appointed her as commissioner. So I am curious as to what you think of this failure of leadership. You know, it's very interesting watching what's going on in the Adams administration because he's only been mayor for a year. And already there 's all this turmoil. His buildings commissioner, Eric Ulrich, forced to resign in the in the result of a gambling probe. I think Ulrich kind of got a raw deal, but still forced to resign. You had uh, his attempt to make his brother the head of uh, security the uh, The fact that he made his best friend Anthony Miranda, the sheriff even though Anthony Miranda's whole city council campaign was as shady as can be. The fact that his social services commissioner, Gary Jenkins, totally botched, totally mishandled the migrant crisis and basically telling New York's homeless people, take a back seat to the migrants. He's leaving. And now I think it's only a matter of time. And I know Adams put out this statement backing her, but I think it's only a matter of time before Laura Cavanaugh's out of the way. And my my suggestion would be you ask Sal Cassano to come back on an interim basis, right? We've seen that before, right? We've seen a steady hand come back and lead police departments, fire departments. So I'd love to know your take on the LaSalle scandal. I'd love to know your take on the Kavanaugh scandal. But, and we're going to continue a bit with this in a moment at 800 Frank Marano in for Dominic Carter. The thing that seems to be getting Eric Adams in the most trouble is not appointing a political hack as fire commissioner. It's not appointing a gambler who maybe is a little too cozy with gangsters as his buildings commissioner. It's not appointing Gary Jenkins, who seems completely inept at uh, administering social services as his social services commissioner. These days, the relationship that may end up hurting Eric Adams most is with somebody that you start every morning with here on WABC. Tomorrow night, I get to uh, hand out food for the homeless with the mayor
4: of New York City, my friend Eric Adams, who was out there on Saturday night, Uh, of course, Times Square, New Year's Eve, and now has a year under his belt. He likes to say his Aaron Judge year is coming up next. Here he is, the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams. Mayor Adams, how are you, pal? Uh, quite well. How are you? Um, you know, the favorite part of that song that I like, uh, jay Z song, is uh, you can tell by my attitude that I'm from New York. You know, New York have had a certain level of gravitas, a certain level of attitude that I don't see anywhere globally.
1: Now, there's a huge story I'm going to tell you about in a moment, how Eric Adams' relationship with Sid Rosenberg may actually be getting him in trouble. 800-848-9222. Frank Morano in for Dominic Carter. Three open lines if you want to comment. We'll continue straight ahead. Talk Radio 77. W-A-B-C. I heard you were looking for me. Mr. Carter, where have you been? You owe us all an explanation on Monday for saddling your poor listeners with Frank Morano. I am Frank Morano. I appreciate you uh, tuning in. I will be with you until 5 o'clock this morning. Please stay with us. All right. As promised, I'm going to get to your calls in a minute. You want to talk about Hector LaSalle? You're welcome to. You want to talk about uh, Commissioner Laura Kavanaugh? You're welcome to. Well, a huge story. In today's New York Daily News, and when I say today, I mean today, Friday, this is what it reads. Headline, New York City Mayor Adams' friendship with pro-Trump radio host alarms some Dems. This is who Eric hangs out with? That's the headline. That's all in the headline, what I just said. Uh, Mayor Adams has recently struck up a friendship with conservative talk show host Sid Rosenberg, unnerving. Some of the mayor's fellow Democrats who argue palling around with the right wing radio personality sends a troubling message. First of all, would you really characterize Sid as right wing? I mean, I guess you would. He leans conservative, but he voted for Hillary Clinton. How can you call anyone that voted for Hillary Clinton and vociferously argued with his partner at the time, Bernard McGurk? uh, In favor of Hillary Clinton. How can you call anyone that was that passionate a Hillary Clinton supporter right wing? It's just uh, anybody that they can demonize with a label right wing, left wing. Please. So this is what uh, the Daily News writes. Since taking office over a year ago, Adams has appeared on Rosenberg's 77 WABC radio shows at least five times. The mayor has also gone out of his way to promote Rosenberg, including saying at a press conference last month that he considers the Trump-boosting Republicans broadcast his favorite talk show. And then uh, it has some pictures of uh, Eric Adams and Sid Rosenberg hanging out at my favorite restaurant, which is also a restaurant they both enjoy. According to social media photos reviewed by the Daily News, Adams has hobnobbed with Rosenberg a number of times in the past few weeks, and then uh, it goes on and on and lists some of the places that they that they you know go and hang out with. So, uh, and it lists some of the Sid Rosenberg captions. Shows a picture of Eric Adams and uh, and Sid's son. Um, this is it, it has quotes of uh, Rosenberg interviewing. Donald Trump Jr., so on and so forth. And then um, it says uh, Rosenberg has also associated himself with the fringes of the GOP, yada, yada, yada. Camille Rivera, a Democratic strategist. Don't you love that term, Democratic strategist? How do you become a strategist? Can you just call yourself a strategist? Or does someone anoint you a strategist? Please. Um, a Democratic strategist who's worked on various New York political campaigns said the mayor should talk to people even if he doesn't agree with them. I agree with that. That's true. But some of the these circles that he's moving in are too close for comfort. Sooner or later, the question becomes, who are you trying to appeal to? Are you trying to appeal to far-right people who want to make America great? There are some dynamics here that it's just not okay and probably not okay with some of the people who did vote for him. A couple of things. One, Eric Adams has never been a progressive. He did not run a campaign as if he was a progressive. He ran a campaign pro-law enforcement, pro-charter school, pro-business, basically calling out AOC and the left wing of the Democratic Party. So I'm not sure why people are shocked that he would socialize with a Republican. Two, in terms of uh, if I were... If I were a strategist, and I have no idea how you become one, I think Mayor Adams is doing exactly the right thing. You know, Eric Adams got about 70% of the vote. He lost one borough. The borough that he lost, you know what the most popular radio station in that borough is? You're listening to it. Also, the one group of people that really didn't vote for him were Republicans and right-leaning independents. Does it make sense that you would try to make inroads with the one constituency that you haven't really... You know, had a lot of electoral success with. Also, people forget Eric Adams at the time that he ran against my friend and colleague Curtis Lewa. Eric Adams was a Republican much longer than Curtis Lewa was. Adams was a Republican for years, years. He would go to Republican fundraisers, uh, throughout the 1990s. And, um, he was always, he was a Republican. So the fact that these so-called democratic strategists are shocked, shocked that there's gambling in Casablanca and that he would go and socialize with a Sid Rosenberg, who the Daily News says is right wing five different times in this article. It shouldn't surprise anybody. So I give Adams credit for this, both from a strategic point of view and from a moral one, an ethical one. Look, you're the mayor of all the people. You should talk to all New Yorkers. He goes on left wing shows all the time. He was on MSNBC this week goes on New York One, he goes on WNYC, he goes on left-wing media all the time. What's the matter with occasionally going on right-leaning media? I don't think anything's the matter with it. And I also give credit to Sid Rosenberg, because the easy thing when you're talking to the WABC audience and you know that they're right-leaning is just to point to the other side and act like this is pro-wrestling and say, yeah, 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 those Democrats suck, when the much tougher thing is to occasionally have a conversation and let your audience hear what's going on. So I give credit to both Mayor Adams and Sid Rosenberg. And I have to tell you, they do really like each other. I ran into Mayor Adams the other day. And, um, you know, Mayor, I got the impression, didn't really know who I was and why would he? But uh, I said, yeah, Mayor, I precede the four-hour Eric Adams admiration society that is known as Sid Rosenberg and Friends. And I, I don't know if he could tell that I was joking right away, but he just said, no, don't say anything about my friend, Sid. Don't say anything about my friend, Sid. He's reprimanding me, um, which I thought was funny. All right. So if you want to comment on LaSalle. Issue one, if you want to comment on the turmoil at the FDNY with the commissioner being booed, issue two. Or if you want to comment on the new political odd couple, which has Eric Adams' left-wing base mad at him and Sid Rosenberg's right-wing base mad at him, of Eric Adams and Sid Rosenberg, you're welcome to. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Let me begin with um, Robert in Suffolk County. Hello, Robert.
4: Hi, Frank. Hi. Good evening.
1: Hi. Good evening.
4: Uh, the uh, Who's LaSalle. Crying, man? Oh, that's the cat. I see. Okay. <laughs> she wants attention. Anyways, the LaSalle. We are supposed to have an independent judiciary. It's the third leg of government and has become the third rail of politics because they're all political nominees, appointees. And also run in elections. All the judges. Well, not, Judge the, himself, not the court. Of, ruled on the law. Not the court That's of appeals. Judges, judges are supposed to do.
1: Right. Well, yeah, look, you could, you could take issue with his uh, with some decisions um, and you could vote against them if you want. But at the very least, I think they should have given him a vote. So at least we know where our senators stand. Give him an up or down vote. If you want to vote against them, vote against them. And so um, but to have this rigged committee prevent the full Senate from voting when I got news for you. People think that the full Senate would probably vote him down also, which says a lot about where the Senate is these days. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. LQ is in the boogie down Bronx. Hello, LQ. Uh,
0: Good morning. And. uh... Uh, happy New Year and the best to your family. Way
1: too late for Happy New Year, LQ. But I will accept the best to my family wishes. Thank you.
0: Okay, uh, for number two, I agree with your opinion on that. I think it, uh, Adams made a poor, poor choice for this woman. If it was political, and I would have booed too, especially the moaning people that work or uh, came up the ranks.
1: Well, thank you, LQ. Look, uh, I, I get what she's trying to do. She wants people that are part of a leadership style and a leadership structure that she wants, right? She's the boss. She wants her people. You know, when um, when John Katsimatidis took over this radio station, he didn't just keep all the people that were here. He brought in his people. He said to the people that were here, all right, if you want to stay here and be in a leadership position, you're going to do things my way so i get that but i think there are two fundamental problems one it i don't think she handled the removal of these these chiefs effectively oh and one of the chiefs that resigned in protest he was also at this at promotion ceremony when his name was announced they cheered him so i don't think she handled this effectively number one and number two if it's not this it's going to be something else i don't think she has the respect of the rank and file of the FDNY. And I think that's going to be an issue again and again, again and again. I think if he would have taken someone that worked their way through the ranks, like a Sal Cassano, like a Daniel Nigro, think whatever you want about either of them, then you would have seen a much different reaction to leadership decisions that they make. Because the feeling of the firefighters and the fire officers is, okay, this guy's been where I've been. This guy has gone through what I've gone through. It's almost like, um, you know, if you're being managed on a baseball team by somebody that's never played baseball. That's basically what this is. 800 848 Let me say hello to Jack in Manhattan. Hello, Jack. Hi. Hi. Um, I'd like to make a comment
5: about LaSalle. Be my guest. And, and it's a very simple comment. It's called Merrick Garland. And as they say, elections have consequences.
1: Right. And so what are you saying? The election of the state Senate well, has Larry consequences or the election never got of a
5: choice, And he never got a chance to get in front of the Senate for even a question about his possibility as a Supreme Court justice.
1: Right. So what lesson should we take from that with this lawsuit?
5: That they basically the Democrats can do whatever they want to do if they if they don't want to have LaSalle as their appeals court. Uh, uh, justice or I mean, judge, then so
1: be it. Right. But I guess the question, Jack, is the the basis of this lawsuit is the state constitution says advice and consent of the Senate. Does that mean the full Senate, 63 members? uh, Or does that mean one Senate committee that was rigged from the get go to make sure this guy never got a full vote? Exactly. That's exactly what happened.
5: That Merrick Garland never got a full vote either. So which is it, in your view never, so I'm it, basically saying is, you know, the Democrats are getting even with the Republicans, that's all. Right, but maybe it's th- not they're the not, same, you know, federal this, and, and state. But Jack politics, this is not nevertheless, this Jack, is the way Jack, politics Jack, works.
1: Jack, but this is not them getting even with the Republicans. Governor is a Democrat. That's okay. She made a mistake. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm not following at all uh, the comparison uh, with, with Garland or the political retribution aspect of it. This is a blue on blue, right? This is a Democrat versus Democrat fight. And the poor victim in this whole thing is Hector LaSalle, who's incredibly qualified, who has an admirable career on the court, the appellate division, and who at the very least should be entitled to a full vote before the Court of Appeals. The question I can't answer. Now, morally, ethically, he's entitled to that full vote. I can't answer the legal aspect of it. I don't know if legally. You know, it seems to me you could read the Constitution a couple of different ways. Uh, you, The Senate. It does not say the full Senate. It says the Senate. I think that means the full Senate. But what, what Cousins should do is she should have allowed a vote by the full Senate and then voted it down that way. That's 1-800-848-9222. Chris is in the Catskills. Hello, Chris.
6: Good morning, Frank. I agree with your last statement that you just made. There's a lot of acrimony going on in state government, and the problem is the executive branch is much more powerful in the design of New York State government. There was a recent bill called the Grieving Families Act that was passed last year at the end of the session, June 28th. The governor has the luxury of waiting to call up when she can sign bills that are passed at the end of the session. She waited six full months, called it up December 28th, and then she waited until the very last minute to veto it and she called well, for them to change right, it. I'm, I'm, familiar, grieving,
1: I'm familiar with the process, but what does that have to do with this LaSalle sh- lawsuit?
6: Well, what it has to do with that, I'll tell you. The Grieving Families Act would have extended the statute of limitations to sue for family members to sue for wrongful death from two years to three and a half years, and it would have added the ability to sue for damages in civil court for uh, pain and anguish and out-of-pocket expenditures. Now, by the governor vetoing it at the... At the midnight hour she's basically it's a test of wills and she's winning so both of these sides are just manipulating the system rather than working with one another i ran into my state senator two weeks ago you
1: think you, you think that they they refuse to allow a vote on LaSalle be out of retribution for the governor vetoing the grieving families act well the author,
6: check this out. The author of that act happened to, happens to be the chairman of that mm. judicial state senate committee. And now there was an event in Kingston, New York, and my state senator wasn't allowed to go up for the unveiling of the Zinc 8 Corporation at the old IBM site in Kingston. She was in the third row with like county legislators. And uh, she was kind of ticked about it, I had heard. But my state senator, this same woman, told me this is something I didn't know until two weeks ago. The state legislature in New York does not veto, does not override vetoes, and they never have. Well, and I, I mean, was really surprised by that. Well, they could though. They have, senator, they right.
1: have a veto-proof majority. They could override the veto. They have they a, a supermajority. Well, it's they could. They themselves. could. They they and could I do, it, but, do it, on but th- Families th- Act. But. but thank you, Chris. Thank you. Um, with the danger with Chris is he always goes a little off the beaten path, and he really didn't respond to the lawsuit here regarding whether or not the advice and consent of the full senate means well, advice and consent of the senate means the full senate or just the senate committee so 808489222 and i am shocked there are not more people weighing in on this new political odd couple of Sid Rosenberg and Dominic and uh, Dominic Carr Sid Rosenberg and uh, Eric Adams, which is apparently causing Eric Adams a lot of grief. And look, I see the, uh, the the Facebook people all taking issue with Sid Rosenberg palling around with the mayor as well. So the Daily News focused on the the agita that Eric Adams is getting for this. I could tell you, Sid Rosenberg is getting a lot of agita from... His base as well. But I give both of them credit for staying with them, for staying with this relationship. And uh, weigh in if you like, 800-848-9222, 800-848-WABC. By the way, speaking of WABC, February is American Heart Month here at WABC. And I think we could all agree that we need a little more love in this world. So this Valentine's Day at 77 WABC, we want to hear about your love story whether it be your love story about your spouse, your children, your family, or your pet, we want to hear how you fell in love. And we're going to select the top five love stories. See, it's like Alaska. They have final five, and then we'll use ranked choice voting to pick the winner. We will select the top five love stories, and they'll win a dinner for two, as well as be featured on the air this Valentine's Day. So to tell us your love story, and again, children, spouse, family, pet, whatever, email us. Valentines, Valentines with an S, valentines at wabcradio.com. It's all part of American Heart Month here at 77 WABC. You can send us your stories now because 77 WABC cares. 800-848-9222. Uh, one, two, three open lines if you want to comment let me say hello to jimmy in staten island hello jimmy
0: hi frank i just want to let you know in your audience i was just voted strategist last sunday what my family
1: i think you're you're as much of a strategist if not more so than this woman camille rivera who i've never heard of
0: No, and I could define it. My mother said, I'm so proud of you. You put the meeples on one side of the platter, you put the sausage (laughs) on the other, and how beautiful you put the brujol in the middle.
1: That's my my kind of strategist, uh, Jimmy, my my kind of strategist. Listen, I'm just going to shoot
0: these out. You know I love you, and give my little uh, radio nephew Carmine a kiss for me. Thank you. And happy Valentine's Day to you and yours. Now, here we go. As far as the LaSalle thing, I'm not going to go into it. All I feel is that uh, Hoko gave them that 30000 to, you know, butter their backs, figuring they'll go along with her because she gave them the raise. They gave it to a hard. Now, I just think if there's any way, take that back from them. That's one. Number two is about this Kavanaugh you said. Something may happen where she's going to be, you know, they're going to get her out of the way. The problem with that person is she is in the way, and that's the sad part of it because I remember when those firemen were carrying their loved ones out of the burning rubble as I went by the tunnel with my bus because I worked for the MTA. And third thing is Sid Rosenberg and Bernie McGurk, God rest his soul, I was at the original studio at Madison Square Garden. I was on the radio with them. I made them 40 meatballs and brought three loaves of Italian bread from Mazzola Bakery, all right? Wow. And I loved them both. But when Sid dies a 100 years from now, it's going to say about Eric Adams and himself, I don't care. And no one should dictate who can be friends with one another. No one in this w- world. What is wrong with, as they say in Washington, reaching across the aisle?
1: Uh, exactly. Exactly. And thank you, Jimmy. Look, and, you. and as I said, Sid voted for Hillary Clinton. So it's not a, it's not that much of a reach across the aisle. Right. You have, I know Trump, um, Sid is very pro-Trump now, but. In 2016, he was very pro-Hillary. So uh, it's not as if uh, Eric Adams is going on with, uh, you know, Eric Adams. Uh, excuse me. Eric Adams going on with Sean Hannity, for instance. So and we'll continue with your calls in a moment. Two, Three open lines, 800-848-WABC. That's 800 848 This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. Oh, this is uh, Dominic Carter. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead.
2: Dot com Frank Bruno. He's your numero
1: uno. These are
4: the Chronicles of Dominic Carter
0: on 77 WABC.
1: I'm Frank Morano sitting in on the Chronicles of Dominic Carter. And uh, today we are going to talk about the spy who wasn't. There was a police officer in this city by the name of Ang Wong. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his first name out of respect for him. On a September day in 2020, Officer Ang Wong kissed his toddler goodbye and was about to drive to work when he was surrounded by rifle-toting FBI agents. You're under arrest, the bewildered cop was told. The charge? Being a secret agent for China. They charged this cop with being a spy for China. Ang Wang was a former U.S. Marine and a member of the NYPD, never had so much as a disciplinary infraction. He spent six months in a federal detention center before he was freed on bail while awaiting trial on charges that he fed information about New York's Tibetan community to officials at the Chinese consulate in New York. Then, just as suddenly, it was over. Federal prosecutors in Brooklyn dropped the charges on January 19th, saying only that they were acting in the interests of justice. They didn't explain further. Well, now Officer Ang Wong says he wants to be reinstated to the police force, which suspended him with pay while the case was pending. But more than that, he wants answers. Here was Officer Ang Wong uh, talking to the AP about his case.
3: You can't just put me in jail for six months. I ruined my name, ruined my reputation, gave all the stress to my family members, friends.
1: I completely agree with him. He said uh, in the uh, news story about this, why did you start the investigation on me? Why did you drop all the charges? We want an explanation. We're demanding it because you owe me. You can't just put me in jail for six months and ruin my name, ruin my reputation, and give all this stress to my family members. 100%. This cop, this Marine is owed not only his job back but an apology by these prosecutors in the U.S. Attorney's Office. These prosecutors had no problem sending out press releases all over the place, labeling this guy a Chinese spy when this man is an American Patriot, a model New Yorker, a model American, and a Marine. And I'd like to know uh, the people in the press office at the Eastern District of New York that were leaking information on this case and sending out press releases, labeling him a spy. How did their Marine service go? This man absolutely ought to get his job back. It's a travesty what happened to this guy. Six months in jail, six months uh, labeled a spy, and then they just dropped the charges. No explanation, no apology. This man's owed an apology and his job back, as far as I'm concerned. 800-848-9222. That's one 800 Talking about the political odd couple of uh, Sid Rosenberg and Eric Adams. Sean is calling in from Peekskill, the city that gave us Governor George Pataki. Hello, Sean.
4: Hi, how are you doing? Uh, just my opinion
0: on Sid Rosenberg's problem here. He introduces Mayor Adams as his friend all the time. I I don't want to hear somebody interview their friend. I want
4: I want to hear a journalist interview a mayor. I think that, you know, I think that rubs people the wrong way in my opinion.
1: Well, and and I get that, Sean, right? Uh, I don't think Sid pretends to be a journalist really. I mean, the name of the show is Sid and Friends. It's not Meet the Press, right? Or uh Face the Sids, right? It's um it's Sid and Friends, right? It's a friendly, jovial show where, you know, they squeeze in some news and some commentary on the news. But I think and no one has addressed the fact that the left wing is giving Adams a hard time about this. I mean, the fact that this so-called Democratic strategist had no problem... Uh, slamming the mayor for going on a conservative talk show is very telling. The fact that the Daily News felt that this was worthy—I mean, there's nobody happier about this than Sid—but the fact that the Daily News felt that this was worthy of a whole article. How can Eric Adams pal around with a Trump supporter? My goodness, what's next? Meanwhile, you know, uh, when when Eric Adams was running, myself and others pointed out the lengthy history of unsavory relationships that Mayor Adams has had over the years. People like Louis Farrakhan, for instance. People like Lenora Fulani. Others as well. And yet, where was the big daily news story exploring his relationship with Farrakhan and Lenora Fulani and others? I don't remember that story. Oh, that's right, because it never happened please. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Tommy is in Brooklyn. Hello, Tommy. Oh,
6: good morning, Frank. Good morning. Um, This bromance that Sid and the mayor Adams are having is, it's interesting. You know, um, last year, Sid was bashing Adams and calling him out on all the stuff that he was doing wrong. He had problems with the, uh, the legislator, how was ineffective he was. And, um, a lot of, you know, I got to give these two guys credit, you know? Um, they sat down, broke bread together, had dinner, and they learned about each other. They're learning, they're talking, they're becoming friends, you know? It's uh, it's interesting because I'm just hoping that it's not a used cigarette, you know, like somebody's using each other. I mean, they're getting – both guys are getting benefits from him. Adams gets his name mentioned on the radio all the time now, and Sid gets his name mentioned in press and all that stuff. Yeah, the optics, the optics are good, but um, – I just give him credit so
1: I yeah, got to give and, him my think as do I Tommy well well said I think you're exactly right 808 22 Stan is in Forest Hills hello Stan
0: how are you listen uh, with all respect to your topics you're missing the major one that affects the people of the city well, of New York. Well, straighten
1: me out, Stan. Come on. I
4: on. will straighten you out. I, I don't care. care about the judges in the state. I don't care about Sid Rosenberg, that
1: idiot. I care about all the All right. There's officers. no need to call anybody an idiot, Well, he, he's a jerk. He's well, an idiot. all right. I mean, well, they, that's your opinion. Okay. Okay. Here's the point.
4: July. Rent stabilization may be ending in New York totally if the Supreme Court, which has shown to be, go to the right. What will the, the governor do? What will she do? million and a half people. This is the uh, Red Stabilization Association has appealed all the way up. Now it hits the Supreme Court.
1: The Court of Appeals. Uh,
4: um, yeah. They should went all the way to the Court. of Now it's to the Supreme Court. What will she do if they throw it out? They throw it out abortion. This
1: could be a major
4: problem for a million and a half New Yorkers.
1: Well, I think you're right, Stan, and thank you. I know I'm right. Uh, all right. Well, good. I appreciate the <laughs> okay. humility as well. Um, I think you're right in that this will go up to the Court of Appeals. And here's the problem. You know how many member, how many judges are on the Court of Appeals right now? Six. So there's a very real possibility that you could have a deadlock decision about this. And that, uh, I think, underscores the need to have a seventh judge on there. The court, the chief judge, no less, so that they can have a, make a final determination on this rent stabilization decision. But, um, you know, it sounds like uh, it sounds like the governor is uh, going to have some some things to answer for. That's for sure. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let me say hello to Charlie in Hell's Kitchen. Hello, Charlie.
4: Hey Frank. First of all, I want to say I think you're right about you're you're hitting the nail on the head about the left wing giving Eric Adams a hard time, and a lot of your callers aren't uh, listeners aren't realizing at how wrong they are and how stupid and short sighted that is. So right. I think you're absolutely right about that. Thank you. And the thing is if they if Sid Rosenberg and Eric Adams can get together and if they can do something about the crime problem in New York and they can actually make a difference and that's what's on that's what they're shooting for here. I mean, then that's a good thing. And and they're friendship and can it's an initial and I think Sid Rosenberg doesn't get enough credit anyway. I'm I'm a big Sid fan. I can't stand the guy who called in and said Sid's a moron. You know, on the 15 seconds of fame thing, I, I, think, I think Sid's a genius. And I think uh, Sid Rosenberg... Well, let's not get carried away, Charlie.
1: Time. He's not a genius. He's not a genius. He, he, I, I, and thank you. Look, I agree with almost everything that you said there, except for the genius aspect of it. Sid is a very talented guy. He's a smart guy. He's got, he's got both street smarts. And he knows enough about what's going on in the news. But genius, uh, genius, talented, great shape. Genius i mean I don't know dominic carter I'll, I'll 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 give the genius title to Sid genius, great talk show host genius I don't know spectacular eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 Rob is in White Plains, hello, Rob yeah, I am also not a genius, but neither am I, Rob, that's something the three of us have in common well, you, there me, we, and go. Sid. we have something in common exactly
4: listen, listen. I don't want to gore anybody's sacred cow, but I have a suspicion of this. Listen, I'm
1: listening. Uh, I was listening yeah. before you said. Your, listen, your your,
4: your owner owns a big piece of land that's vacant in Brooklyn, and he was interviewed actually on that point. He was interviewed on a um, on his show uh, by one of the guests about that. He said, "When are you going to put the other building up?" He said, "Well, I got to get the cooperation of the city." Okay. And, you know, Curtis was welcomed back with open arms, as he should have been, I believe. And there you have a mayor. He, he he doesn't need the mayor's hostility right now to develop the Brooklyn Waterfront. So I think it's reasonable suspicion to think that he sat down with Sid and said, hey, Sid, cozy up to him because I need him. Yeah, don't I want to be out in the pasture I, all alone.
1: Well, Rob, I, I could. Uh, first of all, I have no doubt that uh, a lot of wealthy developers would like to stay in the mayor's good graces, including probably John Katzamantidis. You know, John has been friends with every mayor. Uh, you know, Dinkins, Giuliani, Bloomberg, uh, De Blasio, Adams, and I'm sure business reasons are a part of it. But I, I can tell you almost certainly, I don't think that he put any pressure on Sid to cozy up to the mayor uh, for two reasons one Sid and Eric Adams were always friendly I mean they were friendly when Eric Adams was borough president and two because John has never told any of us to be friendly with this person or go after that person so I can't see him doing that with with Sid because he's never done it with any with me or anyone else as far as I know hey Uh, Bad news for some of you. I am sticking around for the next four hours. What we're going to do next hour is I'm going to answer your questions on any subject. 1-800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Please stick around.